0: You are listening to the Future of Now podcast. We share stories from technologists, futurists, and corporate rebels from across the globe that are shaping the way we work, driving innovation, and disrupting industry. Our goal with this podcast is to inspire you to explore new ways of working and opportunities for growth. I am Dan Levy.
1: And I'm your host Aki Damari, and we're from More Space for Life. In this episode, We are joined by Samuel Duran. Sam is the producer of Work in Progress, a documentary exploring recent trends in the world of work. Hey Sam, thanks for spending some time with me today. I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Hi Aiki, thanks for the invite.
1: Before we talk a little bit about, you know, what you do, I know that you have a documentary, The Future of Work, which is really exciting. I want to ask you a question and That question is, what does the ideal future of work look like to you?
0: Well, I I would say that I would quote one of the speakers of the documentary who says that the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. And he's quoting uh, himself Gibson, I guess. And yeah, I I think that the future is already here. We just have to look to the right spot. So my ideal future would be more trust in the relationships, be yourself uh, at work and at home, the same person, will be my ideal future. And I guess that when we are talking about remote work, freelancers, community, passion, economy, anything you want, AI, the best way to invent the future is just to have common sense. When you look uh, at the decision you have to make, if you just have common sense and you discuss with other people, that means that you can create the best future.
1: We'll definitely revisit that question a little bit later because I have a follow-up question. But... Before we get into all of that, I would love to know a little bit more about you. So I know you are living in France.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, And I'm living in in, uh, Lyon, in the middle of France, near the Alps.
1: Have you lived there all your life?
0: Well, I've been living in Alsace uh, for a few years, but I consider myself as uh, more uh, from Lyon. And then I've been studying in Grenoble, which is at the heart of the Alps, uh, a town near surrounded by mountains, and then I came back to Lyon to live right now, and I finished my studies. So I did a business school there in Grenoble, and and I've always been working as a freelancer when I was uh, studying. Uh, and then also I created a, my own brand. like uh, It was a streetwear a, a streetwear ski brand, mountain brand, and I developed it for three years now that I learned tons of things, and then I decided to earn money from the skis that I developed by entrepreneurship as a freelancer. So I worked as a freelancer, like 20 missions during my studies. And then when I finished the study, pursued the freelancing life.
1: Were you always creative as a child? Like, was this kind of your ideal life, creating a documentary, doing something like that?
0: Not not at all in the creative industry. I've already been uh, something like into entrepreneurship because when I was like uh, 13 years old, maybe 14, I was uh, buying bicycles and then uh, selling them at a higher price. And that was my first business, I guess. And then the creative industry is just just very new for me. I I came here because of uh, the the subject, the topic. I like the topic, and then I also liked the um, the fact that with the documentary you can tell a story, you can share what you want about the topic, but you can also create a good moments for the viewers. So it was perfect. And I, I, when I started watching documentaries like two three years ago, there was tons of them in Netflix, in Curiosity Stream, in uh, Arte in France, in. France television different channels different platforms when I spent a good moment and then I learned something so I thought you were the perfect medium
1: see you know before when we spoke you were talking about how you did your learning expedition when you were researching the future of work and talking to freelancers maybe you could tell us a little bit about that and what led up to that moment what led you to talking to all those
0: people sure so picture me uh, four years ago i was in a business school and then at school the teachers tells you that next year you have to do something called a, a gap year but it's not a gap year when you you go and do all your things it's a gap year when you do two internships of six months and at this moment i've been a freelancer for Two years and I've experienced freedom and the way uh, the freedom to choose your own clients, the freedom to uh, work on your own projects. So uh, I wasn't really seeing myself as an intern for some companies in marketing or in finance or whatever. So I thought that what they're proposing to me right now, I don't like it. I would I would prefer to explore the future of work. I started this journey by exploring the relationship between freelancers and big companies, enterprise, because that was my main focus at this moment. Being a freelancer, I've seen some flow and I wanted to explore and dig into the companies who have the best best practices around it so by working with freelancers, how to create hybrid teams, how to recruit the top freelancers, uh, the world for talents. So all of this stuff Topics. and i created this learning expedition called going freelance and we went with a friend of mine for six months around the world to 13 cities in the world uh, to meet with more than 100 people so it was it was great because for so for six months we prepared it and then for six months we lived it and it's great because that's no point in your life you get to meet so many people and just say hey uh, what do you have to uh, tell me Uh, what can i learn from you and people usually they're they're very generous about what they share so it was a great moment and right now like three years after it i still have friends around the world i continue to chat with about and i met with them during the learning expedition. one of them is now my mentor And and yeah, when I'm coming to New York, when I'm coming to London or whatever city I'm going, I have a few people to meet. And uh, also, it's a great way to know what's going on in the future of work in other countries, because I have eyes everywhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What are some of those countries that you visited?
0: But we first started with the US, coming to San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and then in Canada, Toronto. And I would say that these countries were the most advanced in many of the topics, so working with freelancers, of course, but also remote. That was maybe the, the, the two topics that were the most advanced in. And then in Europe, we in the Netherlands, in the UK, in Belgium, Spain, uh, France too, Germany. And then in Asia, we only went to Singapore and Vietnam. So
1: pretty diverse countries. What were the biggest differences in terms of how people looked at the future of work or even just like the working environment?
0: Well, I would say that what striked, strikes me is how different, within the same country, it can be between different companies. Like when you go just in France or anywhere in the U.S. Also, it's crazy how some companies you, you think that they are in the future, they are living in the future, and others are living in the past, but in the real past, like way before us. And and this is this is kind of crazy because they have the same laws, they are competing uh, on the same market. But some have just one visionary or two visionaries people within the companies who try to implement new things, who try to use new tools, who try to connect with other people. And it's just magic then because it works. And for other companies, they just think that what they have done for like the past 10 years the past 20 years is going to continue the same way uh, as before so they don't they don't look at what's next and and quickly you notice that it doesn't work anymore and it's it's crazy how uh, they don't see themselves so this strikes me how the, the big difference between one country but yeah, when it comes to working with freelancers or to wor- working remotely in, in the U.S., it was so advanced compared to uh, France. And for example, in France, p- lots of companies are very attached to uh, presentism, like they control the time that people are cracking in and cracking out, but they don't really care about the objectives. And these are the very large companies, usually in France. And also a difference that I didn't anticipate it before the learning expedition was in the U.S., When I saw them from France, for example, I saw a country where everyone is a freelancer, where everyone is free. It wasn't true. People in the U.S. are very uh, attached to uh, salary jobs, and mostly because of the benefits and how expensive is the healthcare. And I didn't saw it there when I was in France. I understood it when I was in the U.S. So I had misconceptions and uh, going into the country and talking a lot with the different people there, learned me tons of things. And uh, but... Talking about similarities, I would say that any companies, any people who want to do a kind of transformation, they go through the same process. It all starts with inspiration. And that's why content is is so much important. The good thing about our era right now is that there there are lots of podcasts, articles, documentaries, anything, and a company who is said to be a pioneer is something. Usually, they are proud of it, so they share a lot uh, on social media, on their blogs, And if you don't know how to work remotely, if you don't know how to earn money online, for example, you just have to search into Google and you'll find your answers because some people have already been through this same process.
1: So you would have done this pre-pandemic, so this would have been obviously because you were traveling around. So these are all startups and freelancers that you talk to? Well, no,
0: I've I've been in huge companies, like banks of uh, 90,000 people, uh, companies with 100 more people. We've been to uh, companies such as Idea, which is a small one, but uh, Google, Dropbox, Applied Materials in the industry, for example, Shell, big banks in the UK, in in Canada, not only startups.
1: So you spoke to them pre pandemic, and now it's, we're still kind of mid kind of going into post pandemic. But have you spoken to them again? And have they indicated that they were making changes because of what's been going on in the world?
0: Yeah, for for yeah, sure. For, for example, lots of companies. Well, some companies were much prepared for the pandemic than us in Europe. For example, if we, we should just focus about about remote work, when you're used to working remotely for ten years, it's very easy when the pandemic hit, uh, pandemic hits. Well, sure, you we have the same problems of loneliness and disengagement at work with every companies, but. Also, it's not new for you. Where well, in France, when the pandemic hits, uh, some companies just discovered that, that you could work remotely and you could do the same tasks at home. And it was very, it was a chaos for some companies, uh, really chaos. And I know for sure that some companies in the U.S. shared uh, their knowledge very quickly with other companies who weren't used to. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was easier for them. When I was in the U.S. So t- two years ago, some. Uh, Lots, and lots of companies have adopted the uh, ways to work with freelancers everywhere, and to hire hybrid teams, for example. And it was it wasn't a, it wasn't the case at all in France. But right now, since this summer, last summer, I guess, they are approaching freelancers the same way as the US do two or three years ago. So now uh, they have lots and lots of mission and they trust freelancers and they didn't do it before the pandemic. So I guess it's changed uh, in a good way. So the pandemic accelerated lots and lots of trends and we got three years of adoptions in three months on remote work or uh, on working with freelancers, for example.
1: So you mentioned that you went to Singapore. I actually used to live in Singapore, so I'm a little bit interested to find out what you discovered, but... Did you find that the working environment was quite different there compared to, say, places in Europe and America?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it's different in many levels. The first one I remembered is that everything is controlled in Singapore. The, the employment market is controlled by the state, so there is no this problem of unemployment, for example, because the government controls it. So, so it's quite. So it's quite different from the northern markets in the U.S. or in Europe, for example. But also, there were kind of yeah the creative industry and some co-working spaces were sponsored by by the state. And that was great because it created lots and lots of new ways of working for traditional companies that went into some of the co-working and met with other people and youngest people and uh, youngest people were trying to work as a freelancer safely because they knew that they had a place to work. They had uh, colleagues. It wasn't a jump into the unknown. So I, I guess that's the government in Singapore is way more advanced um, than in Europe and uh, the US in the future of work because they, they sponsor it.
1: What would you say were the biggest challenges and struggles when it came to people making decisions and shaping their ideal working life for themselves?
0: Well, I would say that in general, we don't ask ourselves the the, the right questions. When you choose a job, when you have to pick a job, you generally look at the companies who are around you uh, in the same city than you, or who, what are the offers right now around you? Have your friends something to recommend to you? But you don't really ask yourself, what do I want to spend my time for? And my time is so precious. It's like the most precious thing I have. How do I want to dedicate it? and you don't ask to yourself this question really you just focus on the opportunities at the moment that you're looking for and i guess that with the pandemic people when you were at home you had some time to think about what you're doing with your life so people ask the right question i guess at this moment so the biggest challenge i guess is to ask the right question who do i want to work with do i want to get acknowledged for what i do what is the kind of environment i want to be in? what is the the bigger mission that i want to get involved uh, with so this is a The kind of questions, and also the fact that if you want, if you're not totally happy with something, you're not necessarily forced to change everything, you don't have to lose your job you don't have to change everything, you can just make small change in your life and it could change anything, mm-hmm. lots of things for example, if you're fed up with uh, the commute, you can just work remotely, if you're fed up with the environment you can ask for another position in within the company or just change the company do the same thing as, as a job but do it for yourself as a freelancer or you can, if you don't connect with enough people, you you can just uh, go to a co-working space for example for, uh, for work if you feel lonely at home and usually when we have a problem the rest of our lives uh, seems dark and we, we notice problems everywhere But if you just correct one problem, then it can all work and you don't have to change everything. And in general, you see it with nomads. When you ask a a nomad why they are nomad, usually they say, oh, I have a breakup with someone. So I decided I'm going to quit my job, quit my family, quit everything, and then travel the world for a year. And then I came back and I I started a new life. So right now, you can travel. Well, you cannot travel the world, but you can become a nomad without uh, leaving your job. You can take your job and travel everywhere. And you can also do it with your partner or with your family, because there are lots and lots of companies who have created an ecosystem for nomads, for example. So I would say that the future of work is being more present everywhere and it will be easier to uh, make the little decisions of your life because, yeah, because it's it's, it's way easier. You don't have to uh, change everything. You just have to change and take a few small steps in one of different subjects.
1: Did you find that some of these trends when it came to challenges and struggles, more alike based on country or did you find that it was based on types of companies
0: yeah definitely when you have something new it's very very easy to implement it uh, within a small companies and when you want to implement a new policy for a huge company it would take months or years and it would take days in the small companies but also uh, when I met with big companies uh, big enterprise these companies when they had when they were a pioneer in something it wasn't i' um, decision of the company, but the people, or a few people within the company. So, for example, for me, one of the companies most advanced in working with freelancers, creating hybrid teams, and creating the perfect environment for freelancers, not only for employees, is Microsoft. But I wouldn't say that Microsoft as a whole is a company where it's a great company to work as a freelancer. I would say that I met the right people there at Microsoft, and for a few hundred people, it's true, but I wouldn't say it's true in every country for Microsoft. Maybe they have a good culture in general, but not the whole company because the decisions the decisions are take taken at the small level or mid level and not the, the, the whole company. But it's also a sign of hope because if you're working in a big company and you have some great ideas, you can try to implement it within your service or your branch or something like a few thousand people, a few hundreds of people, perhaps.
1: So you were saying you got all this insight, you did all this research, you talked to a lot of people. At one point, did you realize that this would make a good documentary? When did it go from just being a report to now a full-fledged documentary?
0: Well, sure. So when I got home, I wrote the report. It's 250 pages. And it's quite long. And if you're not working in HR or very interested in the future work, you're not going to read it. And that's normal. Nobody reads a PDF so long. So you're not interested in it. But I thought that the reflections were interesting, not only for people working in HR, but for every people who wanted to, to ask themselves what I am I going to do with my working life? What do I want to do with my life? And why do we even work? So these questions were kind of important to me. And I wanted to share it more widely. And I thought that the documentary was the perfect medium. As I said, you you can spend a good time and at the same moment, learn something. So yeah, I met with the right people also because I don't know anything about production. Before doing documentary, I didn't even know the difference between the director and the producer. So right now uh, I've learned it. And so I met a production agency based in Paris and it was the perfect. We, we got along very quickly. And, you yeah. know, when you meet someone and they're professionals and you just have the same, the same alignment, uh, the same vision about it. So, so it worked perfectly. And we tr- worked on the documentary for a year before it got released. And when I wrote it first, it was before the pandemic, like in January, in February. In Europe, it wasn't there until March. So when the pandemic hits, I had to rewrite a few things because you can't uh, talk about the future of work the same way pre-pandemic and uh, during the pandemic. So we didn't want it to be the documentary of the future of work just based on the pandemic. Because we wanted we want the pandemic to end and then the documentary to uh, still be relevant a few uh, years after it. But uh, we wanted to integrate the reflect- reflections about the COVID also. So we did a few more writing about it and then uh, yeah we shoot it during 2020. Some some logistics challenges.
1: <laughs> yeah definitely. Well, so the documentary is called Work in Progress. Maybe you can tell us a little bit. Without giving all of it away, what it's about, who you talk to, what people can expect to learn from it?
0: Sure. So the documentary is uh, trying to show the different ways to find meaning in work within the future of work so it means that you can find meaning um, in a salaried position but you can also find meaning by being a freelancer or joining a community joining a co-working space then also you can uh, join the creators academy or the, the passioning, so that you have lots and lots of ways to find meaning you just have to find the right environment and if you don't find it then you can create it yourself and so we have nine people who are sharing their journey and they have made the transition themselves. And two of them are just experts and they just talk about it. And so we have David Heinemeyer Hansen from Bay. We have Letícia Vito, who is a writer and a speaker about the future of work. We have a co-working space in Barcelona called Mob for Makers of Barcelona. And it's, it's a space you go there when you enter mob, you immediately understand that it's much more than a community than just a co working space. It's a community, and people don't just work side by side. They have successfully created a, a whole community. So another community from New Zealand, close to to Australia, is Enspiral. Uh, and Enspiral, the, the testimony of Jorian from Enspiral, is so powerful. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. W- when you look at the document in the end, you ask yourself, am I doing am I doing the right thing? Am I am I in the right position? What could I change? And ha- what can I learn from these people? Is there something I can take from uh, what they do in their professional life to implement in mine? And yeah, it, it just makes you ask the right questions, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's quite reflective in a sense.
0: Yeah, the the, the the first sentence of the documentary is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that's the kind of, kind of question you get asked when you are five or six years old. But at some point, you are 20, you are 30, and you are maybe 40, 50 years old, and you, don't have, you haven't found the answer. So at one point, you have to find the answer, I guess, and the documentary is here to help you.
1: Just going back to the first question that I asked you, what does yeah. what the ideal future of work look like to you? What was your perception of the future of work before you started this journey and this documentary? And has talking to all of these people changed how you look at the future of work?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, of course. For example, when when before I started, I, I wouldn't say before the documentary because the documentary is the second thing, but when I first learned the, tons of things, it was during the learning expedition. So the, the two are kind of mixed up for me. But I would say that before, during the learning expedition, I was very opposed to salary jobs. I thought it, was, it wasn't the the kind of thing for me, I wasn't even understanding how other people could work for another company. Because uh, I saw uh, just a, a small version of salary jobs in France, working for corporations uh, as an intern, when you have someone uh, who just checks at what time you are clocking in, at what time you are clocking out, and who don't really care about the objectives, and when you have an ID, they don't really care because it's it's their decision, something like this. So it's not all salaried positions, and I discovered it by traveling, by uh, meeting other people, by meeting companies who base their relationship on trust and who have a very yeah i would say healthy healthy environment of of work and this is by meeting companies around the world that i understood that i could work also as an employee for a company if i just find the the rare gem or the right one and at this moment there are few companies i could work with i guess but as it's developing i would say that there will be more and more
1: and throughout this whole journey from when you did your learning expedition started the documentary created it what's the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself
0: about myself well Mm -hmm. yeah I, I would say that did this thing that I could I could work for a company I could work for as a freelancer as a creator everything this but what I learned I guess is that all of it links to the same thing that uh, the most important thing to me is freedom and the and the freedom it's not the free the freedom in general it's the freedom to work with the people I, I choose and the project I, ch- I choose I don't really care uh, how many hours I'm working, I don't really care where am I working in an office in the, in the co-working space at home. That's not really important to me and it is not the way I experience uh, freedom as a freelancer or as an employee for a company that uh, lets me uh, do what I want. But the, the freedom for me is to work with interesting people and who have the best conversations during the day at work with other people I care and to have people who become friends at work that's the that's the most important thing to me and I don't really care if I do it as a freelancer or as an employee and so that's something I learned throughout this journey and before that I was really really opposed to salary jobs and I thought they were only freelancing life for me and and now I'm I also I learned how to how to organize yourself right now I'm working on five different projects the documentary other documentaries we are also adapting the documentary to cartoon we are also doing lots and lots of things I'm doing some conferences, some writings, and I, I, by by meeting people who are way busier than me, I learned how to organize uh, and how to uh, prioritize also. And so lots and lots of things how, how to work. And I have a mentor that I met during this learning expedition and in the documentary. And uh, she, she has learned tons of things. And I, I get lots and lots of advice from, yeah, on a maybe everyday basis. So... Yeah, It has taught me uh, taught me lots and lots of things. And even by just meeting people, just getting curious and asking lots of questions. It's so precious when you just go into the world and meet with new people and ask them, who should I meet with next? Who do you recommend me? And, and usually people, they're happy to, to take some time and to share the story with you and to share a few contacts too. So... Yeah, I I have a very positive vision of the world right now because I met with amazing people.
1: What is something that you learned throughout this journey about other people that might surprise some of our listeners?
0: I got really fascinated about full free remote companies and how they were able to create a culture and to maintain a company's culture even with hundreds of employees everywhere in the world because I knew it could work for 10, 20, maybe 50 people. But when I met with GitLab or Toptal or Upwork or or Automatic, companies who have hundreds of employees everywhere in the world with different time zones and they have a team, a, a culture team focused on how to work remotely, how to maintain this culture, how to create the yeah, the, 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 moments when they gather and when they share. It's, it's really fascinated me how they were able to maintain this culture. I was, I was really surprised it could work. So this, this was something I, I really enjoyed discovering about other people and how they were able to, for example, at, at GitLab, all the people, they are not all tech. But they are all very interested in tech. And even even if you're working in finance or in HR, you have to be interested in, in tech in, in the product. So they have the same interest for a product. And it's so strong that they are able to work on, just by themselves for a few months. And they just uh, get together once or twice a year. And it's kind of amazing uh, to me how they are able to yeah, to just have the same engagement as a as other companies who see them at the office every day.
1: That's amazing. So, we're, we're going to wrap up soon, but what do you feel like is a question that I should have asked you?
0: Well, so the documentary is asking the question about how do I find meaning in work for other people? Maybe the question, so did you find uh, the meaning of your work? And what is the meaning of your work? And what are you going to do next? I guess. I guess that's the question you would have asked me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you have an answer for that? Have you found the meaning of your work?
0: (laughs) Well, I I got a few beginning of answers, I guess, because I, I know that I want freedom to choose my own clients, freedom to choose my own projects. And that's the more important thing to me. But also, at the same time, I think that I would need one more or two more documentaries to make sure that it's the, it's the my, my meaning. I, right now, I'm working on two other documentaries, and I, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that this is something I really love doing, and I'm going to continue doing it for one, two years. But then, I probably won't do it and do something else, because... I like when there is some challenge uh, and I don't see myself doing something that I already know that I can do. I like to do something that I don't know that I can do. And if you tell me, oh, no, you can do it. This is too hard. I I would do it for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, on that note, where can our listeners watch Work in Progress?
0: Well, it depends where you are. Uh, there are all the information on the website uh, www.widedocumentary.com. But uh, right now, when uh, the podcast is released, you can watch the documentary on the platform Curiosity Stream, and you can also watch it on Vimeo. So just um, go through the website and you'll find the information. And if you are in France or in Spain, we also have other platforms. So just look at the website, you'll find it for sure.
1: What do you want? people to take away from this documentary? What is the one thing that you hope people will take away?
0: Well, I, I've received some uh, lots and lots of testimonies of the people who watched it in France or in Spain. And the, the most powerful I received was about how they, the documentary made them change their perception about work. And then the fact that other people could be happy at work and that you you shouldn't just expect for the weekends or for the holidays or for the days off that you could get and that you could find fulfillment at work really because you have the environment that you could be happy going to work and I have some people writing to me and saying that they were unhappy for most of their professional life because of different things some people just because of the commutes of people of the environment the people they are working with or the tasks they are doing and by watching the documentary it gave them some ideas of the things that they can change to implement better practices at work for their own life and uh, this is just the best when you have someone who tells uh, tells you that they are going to be happier uh, because they changed something, because they saw your documentary. Uh, I think this is just the best.
1: And my very last question for you before we sign off. What do you have more space for in 2021?
0: For writing. For writing, because my first passion was writing and I, beg- I began exploring the future of work by learning something and then writing it. But doing the documentary, I had the writing part, so one year ago, and then it was all production, distribution, and now it's promotion of the documentary. And I don't get to write a lot, but uh, I want to write a bit more, so I have a newsletter in, in French, but I, I, I'd like to spend more time writing in 2021. That, that would be my main focus.
1: That's amazing. Well, that's all the questions that I have for you. So thank you so much for joining me on the future of now podcast it was really great to talk to you
0: thank you for the invitation Aki. thank you the future of now podcast is produced by more space for life if you enjoyed this please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts until next time please stay safe look after each other and as always be awesome